0: this podcast is produced by unedited
1: hello people and welcome to episode 17 of the dreamer's disease my name is alex manzi and on each episode we hear the story of someone inspirational who is out in the world and really following their passions and having a go at chasing their dreams on this week's episode i'm joined by yaz who is a social media coach so what he does is he helps musicians and artists build up their online profiles and campaigns around their album releases single releases video releases, and. Helps them build up that following in those online spaces. So, before we jump into this episode, I want to thank you all for listening. For those of you who have subscribed on iTunes, you can also connect with me on Instagram at the underscore dreamers disease, where you can find daily inspiration and motivation on the page. Or personally, at I am Alex Manzi. I'm always open to questions, connecting with people, knowing what you guys think. So, right now, let's jump in and hear Yaz's story.
0: So, about eight months ago, I thought instead of doing my usual routine of releasing music on our record label Future Beats why not help multiple artists all at once by coaching them teaching them from the ground up social media to combine two of my biggest passions and really helping
1: them help themselves so they can um, progress themselves into bigger and better opportunities what i like about it is how you've merged the two worlds that you're passionate about is you've gone right I like my music thing and i know all about social media let me put the two together not are you just putting them together you're doing it in a way to help those who don't understand one or the other. Well, I'm a and geek
0: at heart, so that's exactly like I understand the science behind it, yeah. but it's also an art form in itself. Yeah. How to do it in a really organic, natural way. Exactly. You know, a musician who's only known one formula in their past mm. really feels their mind is like ignited with a spark just with what, a couple of brief conversations. Yeah. I love that feeling. How did you start off in the music thing first? God, it's probably. 8 to 10 years ago now, yeah. where I just wanted to get my little toe in the door of the industry. So I, fresh out of uni, applied for a role at Ministry of Sound. And I got it, and it was, <clears throat> it was a sales role. So I had to pick up the phone, call other universities up and down the country, selling them a package yeah. of two DJs and some banners. And it was EDM music wasn't my thing, but through that I met my business partner, DJ Complexion. And then from there he said, look, I'm not all about this EDM thing, but I've got something really special. And then from that, every time I had a freelance client, they would just hand over their social media accounts and mm. take care of it. And I took it as a personal challenge to like grow their following if they're trusting me with their account details. Mm. And I bounced around from company to company. I think my mistake was I made them so self-sufficient in three months, they didn't need me anymore. Mm. So that was my own downfall. So that how can I play this a bit smarter, keep them on a retainer, so they always need to come back for more information?
1: Yeah. It's a good way to run any business, isn't it? You don't want to just give away all your stuff and go right Absolutely. here, have it. Don't bother coming back. You need that return customer base for anything. So, w- what did you study? So, I studied
0: business management at okay. uni, and it was such a theoretical degree. I was waiting for something more practical to sink my teeth into. Yeah. And one module that resonated with me was, was marketing, and from
1: that, I've really found my passion. Did you find the social media thing through having done marketing? or as you know, I do social media as a job as well, right? So for me, th- there wasn't really any training on it. It was kind of just what I learned myself and a base I had through a, a previous job in marketing. So did you have a similar thing? How did you learn I think the you social media learn. You learn from your mistakes. Yeah. You really, the more you screw up,
0: the more you realize I won't do that next time. Mm. And one of my um, downfalls was I tried Google AdWords and I invested about 30 quid of my own money, I had a voucher, spend 30 quid, get 100 pound free. So I did it and I set it up in a totally wrong way. So Google AdWords dipped into my account, took 200 quid, no. then dipped in my bank, I took 200 quid again. No. And I was still at uni, and yeah. have enough money for rent that month. That's like a lifetime's worth of money at uni, isn't it? At uni, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I sold my Stussy, my Obey, my Supreme Baseball Caps just to make rent that month. Yeah. And I never made a mistake again with targeting settings. Yeah. I learned that lack of science until I could do it nice and efficiently. So yeah, I didn't really like have any formal training, just you learn on the job, you learn as yeah. an intern, and someone going to networking events or going
1: to seminars to soak up loads of information. Yeah. So just taking on the knowledge yourself kind of Absolutely. thing and learning on the job. And did you, you, you mentioned Ministry of Sound, but you've worked you know for and with a lot of companies along your journey. Has that always been in that capacity of social media? So you're, you're constantly learning in that, well, extended marketing world? Yes,
0: always freelance, I think. If, Word of mouth is very powerful. And if you've done a good job for somebody else, they may not need you as a client anymore because yeah. they've got a campaign break for six months. Yeah. But they'll say my mate in the music industry, he definitely needs you, put you in touch. One conversation leads to another. Next thing you know, your, your offices are moved from Elephant and Castle to South Kensington mm. and you're there for the next six months. And it's very touch and go all the time, but that's the excitement of being freelance. You can have any different opportunity and no two days are the
1: same. I love that buzz yeah and what's your, what's your relationship like with social media because like for me I've got this weird love-hate relationship with it because I know the power it has but I also know how bad it can be for someone for getting too involved what's your relationship like with it exactly that love-hate so for a business use obviously
0: use it I know um, how to use it in an, how to leverage it effectively But then the minute I'm out of there, I like to put airplane mode on. Mm -hmm. I like to disconnect just so I can live my own life and not be bombarded with notifications. And one of the things I talk about in my coaching course is a, a daily method of operation. And that is where you only handle certain notifications at certain times of the day. So for example, when I'm eating my cereal, I clear all my mentions from the previous 24 hours. When I'm on my lunch break, I clear all my direct messages from the previous 24 hours. And at dinner time, wipe out all my comments from the previous 24 hours. And at those other times, I'm not scrolling down my feed. Mm. I'm actually just hustling and working. So you don't get distracted by social media at other times and waste
1: hours upon hours Mm. just staring at a screen. So you do it quite like systematically because I'm the complete opposite. I'm like always. I don't have any notifications at all apart from like messages. But what I do have is a need to check my phone every five minutes because of work but also because I've been like sucked into the world of social media is kind of know what's happening at all times but mm-hmm. well, not 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 the need it I feel like you know I need to keep on top of things essentially so therefore I, I, I check my accounts that's you know if I get a tweet I get a tweet if I and I'm going through it all like that I like the way you split up do you do that for all accounts is it so just your mentions on Twitter, Insta, Facebook on Yep, all
0: accounts, Yeah, okay. clear them all in one go yeah. and that way you're not you know, leaving something unread for later because you know that will just pile up on you, yeah. whereas if you actually just wipe them all, you, it, your conscience is clear that I've handled everything and you don't get sucked into little instant message conversations, yeah. you send the chunk of text, you get a chunk of text back mm. and that way it's much more efficient for you to hack on with emails and project work and um, developing client plans than it is to sit there for a couple of hours having a back and forth conversation. Yeah.
1: What would you say then are the pros and cons of using social media? From both like a personal point of view, but also from like a client, one of your clients, an artist or, or a brand point of view? I think for anybody, they have
0: to get their brand message out there, whether it's as a musician or as a person who's just having, you know, a picture of their dinner at the end of the day. I think everyone wants to be able to explain to another what they're doing with their lives and what they're working on 24-7. So the benefit really is connecting with new people not aware of what you're already doing. And as a musician, I tell people, social media is to talk to people, not at them. Yeah. And so many people write rhetorical third-person statuses that just require a like and don't actually ask a question. And you're not actually connecting with anybody, you just, it's a, it's a self-validation, it's a vanity project at the end of the day. And if you're actually building networks and building relationships, it's far more powerful than actually just getting 600 likes on a status but zero comments. Mm. Comments are far more powerful.
1: I agree because it's, like you said, it's that engagement, it's that conversational thing, isn't it? And what I like about, again, what you're doing is the fact you're helping people build those relationships with what is essentially their fan base right so how did you step into that coaching role like what was the first step you made how did you reach out to the first artist you wanted to work alongside or Mm -hmm. what was the what was the process
0: so i was actually in my day job where i'm a social media analyst and i watched a ted talk by um, simon sinek the golden circle Mm. who talks about his how your what your how and your why and i really figured that my why was helping other people and i just love that feeling i help my mates all the time as artists, I'm always designing them a campaign plan. And so when you've got a single dropping, we'll do this, 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 yeah. and this. I hope you via email, just out of the goodness of my heart. Yeah. And I figured, wait, wait a minute, I can actually monetize this and I can actually upscale this to brands and to musicians, producers, singers, rappers. And even I have a couple of clients who are like hairdressers. So there's no limit to the creative zone that I could have a client in because social will always be social. I think when you understand the mechanic of it, you just need to understand your client by asking the right questions, mm. and then you can tailor a project to them. Yeah. I, I find that really rewarding, personally.
1: Where do you think that need
0: comes from to help people? Then? I think my upbringing, just as a Pakistani Muslim, as, um, as a human being, mm. I just get a real buzz, not out of being in the spotlight. I don't like that at all. I like being the guy behind the scenes. So that person knows who helped them, but I don't need public applause from that. I just... Have a personal message, saying, cheers, mate. Appreciate that.
1: You know, I think it's very similar with me as well because I come from like a close Italian family, essentially, and it's all you know, it's very family orientated and helping each other, etc., etc. Cetera, et cetera. So, a lot of what I do stems from that background and upbringing, which is cool. So, if you're you're coaching people, right, and you, do you how how do you do it? Do you help them? Uh, campaign based so like they're releasing a single or do you help them right I'm going to help you start your accounts or get your accounts going or do you go I'm going to stay with you over the next year two years to Mm -hmm. develop what you're doing or is it all of it or completely
0: depends on their circumstances where they are in most scenarios they're already established but they've hit a brick wall and they want help just to break through that wall usually I start with the absolute fundamentals tone of voice content personal branding and then after that we can go on to the really advanced techniques like how to boost on a facebook page how to look at your insights how to tailor audience for insights usually they do end up having a campaign at some point throughout the campaign the mm-hmm. coaching course and we talk about a six-week marketing plan four weeks uh, preceding two weeks afterwards and it might be an ep a music video a single whatever it might be there's a base formula that can be tailored to their needs and I don't do any of the channel management for them, I just encourage them and inspire them saying, find the content milestones, wherever you are, find an occasion to capture a piece of content, and then from there, here's a framework of the messaging I might. What would be a content milestone, what would be an example? So if you were on BBC One Extra, for example, and you happen to be doing an interview, taking a video of that microphone, if you were in the studio and you've just finished mastering it, show the, the video hit 99% exporting, yeah, yeah. yeah, that kind of thing, to really, you've hammered the message of what I've just achieved, and now how can I share it in a bite-sized message?
1: Mm, okay, or what would you say someone should use a different platform for? Because every platform, right, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, they have their own purpose. Have you got like a core, or like a generic kind of model for each, each of those, or what would be the best way to approach each platform, or focus just on one?
0: I'd say the way the platforms were originally designed. So Instagram is a photo sharing platform. I know it. The modern generation all seem to migrate towards Instagram, and they're trying to share music on a photo-based platform. And I'm always telling them, guys, talk around the music. Don't t- don't share a video clip of it. It's not very engaging to stare at um, a speaker just watching the cone wobble. <laughs> Whereas actually, if you use Twitter as a conversational platform and Facebook as a your highest quality. Friends are engaging with their content you build these stronger relationships with people and I always say to people why would you copy and paste the same caption with the same photo mm. nobody has the incentive to follow you on all three mm. so differentiate each platform and play to your strengths I know it takes a lot more time to have a strategy per platform but it's more rewarding and if you take yourself seriously as an artist you need to take your approach to these things seriously and not just do it as a throwaway idea right at the end I would personally use Instagram stories for all my spontaneous content, my feed for my highest quality content, Twitter to talk to my mates and engage with their conversations. I rarely tweet myself, yeah. I normally engage with others. And Facebook, I have a rule, I wish every single person a happy birthday. Because I think it's most important as a coach to care about your clients. Mm. So. Even if, if there's 25 people who got their birthdays first December, yeah. I'll go through every single one, write a different, not a copy and paste, but yeah. a different happy birthday personalized message for everyone.
1: Yeah. I feel that's quite important. But do you not feel that, like I, I sometimes find it a little bit weird if there's someone who I haven't spoken to for like 10 years or who I've got on Facebook because you did when you, you know, first started using it, starts wishing me a happy birthday, and I'm thinking you only know it's my birthday because you've got the notification. Is that not? Or you just like... That might be the case.
0: That might be the case that, yes, you saw a notification, but you actually took the time out of your day to send a nice gesture. Mm. I think that's appreciated. And then when you do end up connecting, you either have a conversation about what you've missed over the past couple of years, Mm. and then you can tell someone, oh, I'm up to this music thing nowadays, I make beats, I'm a singer, I'm a rapper, I'm a social media coach, and you can actually build a lead out of something you never had before. That lead can turn into a fan, into a super fan, maybe even a future collaboration. If you happen to be lucky that person was a singer and you haven't connected, you're a producer, you never know. Yeah. It's just you, like you, a really basic form of networking. Yeah, you never know who you're sat next to. The people in this very room could be the
1: people you need for a future business idea. Yeah, yeah. That's it. I get it, I get it. I'm, you know, I, I agree, I'm just like playing a bit of devil's advocate. But, of course, yeah i think that it's important to have those kind of relationships because like you said you never know like there's people i've known for five six years who you know i've met however many years ago whatever and now i'm like actually cool we can maybe look to do something together there might be a role we can play in each other's careers or journeys and it's important to have that established relationship no matter how small so you can always like look to build on it because it's people love helping each other or people like being helped as well
0: exactly that you and i met through music Mm. and now here we are sat down talking about something completely different yeah and the circumstances of our mutual friends
1: brought us together so you never know yeah it's perfect example exactly let's let's play a little like role play right so say i'm an artist and i've come to you and i'm gonna say right i've got a release i'm putting out a new ep in two months time um i want you to help me what do we do, how do we work it out, how do we sit down, what's the plan, where am I sharing it, what are we doing, do I need video, Like, what what do I do?
0: So first I've got to ask the questions. Where are you releasing it? Um, What content are you building around it? What are your existing plans that I need to know about before I can even advise you? Because it is about you ultimately and not about me flexing my ego. Mm. So then let's just say, for argument's sake, you're doing a full digital services platform. You're doing Spotify, iTunes, all of that. Yeah. We then talk about Building the tracking links for each different account. So one post will be pushing Spotify, all the playlists that you've been featured in, etc. One post will be pushing your SoundCloud. Then you might want to have um, one piece of content with a screen capture once it's live, purely for Instagram stories. Mm-hmm. Um, at the beginning of the campaign, you might want to announce the artwork and any collaborators on this EP. You then might wish to, um, if you are filming a music video, take you know a handful of behind the scenes content to tease it really slowly but slowly. Then you might want to praise the featuring artist if it's a vocalist or a guitarist or something. Put the spotlight on them. And really, by the time you've done all that, you've built yourself a calendar. And then in the days in between content, you need to slot an engagement post. Something so that you're not going spam, spam, promotion, promotion, spam, spam. Put in something really real, like who's watching Stranger Things right now. And asking a question that people go, I am, I've loved it. I haven't started personally, yeah. but um yeah, you really build up this calendar of a month in advance. you know what you're posting and you're not thinking on the fly. you have a plan, you have
1: a strategy mm. and would you would you recommend like scheduling those things in, or would it just be on the fly just set a reminder in your phone and do it or
0: it depends if you are so busy that you can't put the time in to make the post live. by all means, you could schedule it. As long as you jump back into every single post and reply to every single comment, there's no point someone taking um, a real connection with your music to leave you a comment and you're too arrogant to reply to said comment. Mm-hmm. So you need to be able to have that personality to really get down to every last fan and say, thank you, I appreciate you. Like you, you made my day yeah. kind of thing. And if you're scheduling those in advance, you might forget to do that kind of thing. Yeah. So me personally, I do things at certain times of the day I know everyone asks what's the best time of day to post and I always say the time that you're most free when people are most often online, yeah. that's the best way of looking
1: at it. What's the most jarring thing that people can ask you, so when people find out that you do social media, like, is there something that people will instantly ask or some bit of advice and you just think, like, why? Yeah. They ask how
0: do I make my content go viral yeah. and I'll just be honest with you, your content is not good enough, yeah. your content is not shareable. If you look at it and you go, oh, that's nice. If you look at it and you think, oh my days, I have to t- show this to my mate. Mm. I have to show this to my gran. I have to show this to my best friend. Yeah. Then you have the potential to make some momentum, momentum gains traction, yeah. and then you never know. Sometimes the tingles, <laughs> yeah, you
1: never know what's going to happen. It's true. Yeah. And do you, like, do, you, do you actually believe in the word viral? Because my, my theory of it, because people, I get the same thing right? From from a work perspective. And my thing with it is you can go viral, but you can't force something to go viral. You can't sit down and go, right, how can I write a piece of content I can create that's gonna go viral? I think it just happens systematically over time through being, you know, all the things you've already spoken about, being consistent with your posts and the right tone and et cetera, et cetera, and then eventually something will stick.
0: Well, exactly that, you can plan for the best and sometimes you know you might set a kpi target of a hundred thousand views that's like a fairly decent amount with the right budget and the right production value but then something might surprise you yeah it might jump up to quarter million Mm -hmm. and then only one little event needs to happen to tip it over the edge from a quarter million to a few million and sometimes you get lucky sometimes you get in the habit of knowing what went viral can i design some content similar to that to expand. One of my good friends, Sam Bentley from Unilad, he does these incredible concepts like an old man singing in the street to Stormzy. And he knows that has the power because even with just him, his camera crew filming it, people will stop by and take a video that's going to catch the attention of the newspapers. So you can build viral content, but you have to have a 360 degree view and do something completely
1: original. The word viral just—it just—I've got a bugbear with it. It just really annoys me. Um, me too. <laughs> so right. So another myth, social media myth or not, hashtags. How, powerful. Very powerful. How powerful are they?
0: When used correctly, yeah. extremely. If you use them to take a picture of your dinner, not really. Mm-hmm. If you use them to get to the top of the most nine top nine trending hashtags on Instagram, for example your post reaching the top nine will add 15, 20% to your views. Mm. Your post making it to number one, you'll add a couple of thousand views. Yeah. So there was a wicked sunset today. I took a picture of that at the corner of my office. Yeah, mm. If you just posted it like my colleague did, saying view from my new desk, hashtag sunset, yeah. you won't get much. Yeah. If you search the word hashtag sunset and you use all of the most ranked hashtags yeah. and you paste them in as a comment. Yeah. And will they, they be the ones that come up Come up the most, you can scroll down and yeah. you can see how many uh, the hashtag piece. uses yeah. on each one. If you paste them in as a comment, your post will perform far better mm. if you have an engaging caption and the post is a good picture of the yeah. said sunset. That's the power of using them in a smart way, not just pasting in, a, in blindly, mm. but strategically looking where they go.
1: And then I just want to ask you about the coaching, right? So, the, from the coaching side of things, what kind of relationship do you have with your clients in terms of do you? speak regularly via Skype is it a call is it just over email do you meet up on a weekly basis how do you kind of have that relationship and build it and, and grow on it
0: so two of my coaching friends told me that just directing people to a web- website is never going to work mm. actually when you tell your own story and you give your own weaknesses people can relate to you a lot more they don't see that you just ended up being good on social media they realize you had a long tradition to get there and most of the time, I get um, a request for coaching from social media. I like to take them over to email. I think I'm far more efficient there. Um, but I can chat in the platform of their choice, Twitter DMs or Instagram DMs. Then we do three video calls, usually two to three weeks apart. The first call will cover the fundamentals. Two and three will tailor it to whatever they want. If They wanna focus on YouTube or Spotify or wherever. And then after that, I'll make sure I check in with them at least once a week. How you doing? What's new? How's your campaign going? Anything else I can help with? And they appreciate that. And they're either booking another batch of lessons or they'll just say, Do you think my campaign's doing alright? And yeah, you're 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 smashing it. I had one client who had zero on everything. And he launched a music video on Facebook, he had twenty eight thousand views. And I'm so proud of him, because he really just sponged that advice. Yeah. And he just channeled it into make working hard. And I have other clients who it's like talking to a brick wall, unfortunately. The message doesn't get through to them, and immediately after they're making the same mistakes, you spent two, three hours telling them, why don't you try this, why don't you try that? Because there's never a right answer, but there's just a
1: guidance you can give them. Yeah, Is that, and is that because the people who th- don't necessarily listen as much, is that because they they think they know all about social media, or is it because they're finding it hard to adapt to a new way of using it?
0: I think the latter. I think they're finding it hard to adapt, and. They haven't changed their mindset. They're still thinking of promoting their music Mm. rather than living the lifestyle of their music. Mm. One of the things I talk about quite a lot is I don't like saying the words, check it out. I just don't like that phrase. I prefer to ask someone, I've made this music video, let me know what you think about it. And when you invite someone with a question, they'll usually give you feedback. And if you don't get feedback, so what? Just move on to the next post. Don't overthink, I'm not gonna do a question again because I didn't get an answer. And when you treat social media like a real-world conversation and not a digital representation of yourself, it's far more powerful.
1: Yeah. How do you balance the coaching thing that you do with a full-time job? Like, when do you do it? Because I'm taking you don't do it at work, so. Never at work. So when? How do you find that time to put so much effort and so much time and so much care into this co- coaching role with others? whilst you still go, you know. I'm quite an
0: organized person, so I make sure I find out when it suits the client for a call. So sometimes it's in the morning at seven o'clock, I'm doing a a webcam call before I even leave for the office. Mm. Sometimes it's on my way back home, I'm doing not a video call, but just a, a consultation. So I do a 15 minute free call for anyone who is interested in coaching. Give me a call, we'll talk about your goals and objectives, and then I'll talk to you about what the coaching has the power to offer. So those I often do while I'm driving. Mm. And then in the evening, after like all the emails are done, everything's handled, I can then fit in at least one extra client for a full video call at the end of every day. Yeah. And if you build up systematically, three weeks apart, you'll always have someone who's come around for the next batch of lessons.
1: Yeah. Oh nice, okay, so it's quite, again, quite structured and quite, mm-hmm. you know, you use the, the time slots and the time management quite well. Um, and have you got any tips in terms of time management or you know you already said what you do with your socials in terms of checking it have you got any tips in terms of the work you do as well and how you structure the work so you know okay cool i'm going to do an hour call here and then after that i'm going to do an hour or something else or do you do it bit by bit task by task i think
0: task by task because we've all got our calendar so we can all put in the time slots of when you've got a conference call when you've got a consultation personally for my day job and my personal life i use what's called a kanban board take a basic whiteboard you draw it into five columns to do doing need help waiting done you write every task you've got on a post-it note So different colors for different things so you might have yellow ones will be um, client calls red ones would be like campaign plans and you just dot them all down Mm. write every task on a different note stick it on the right column that it's in and you feel so much satisfaction when you move it out of the waiting Mm. into done when you move it out of doing into done and sometimes if you realize on oh, my days, everything is in the waiting or need help column and nothing's in the to-do, I better follow up on everything yeah.
1: that I'm waiting on. And do you find that it also comes quite helpful writing, writing them down and sticking them in those columns to get it kind of out of your head and onto something quite visual?
0: Most um, definitely, yeah. I find me personally, I don't open a notebook to read a to-do list because if I close a notebook, I can't see it. Mm. I find if you write it on your phone, you might not open the note section whereas at one point I actually wrote it on my mirror so while I was brushing my teeth every day I could see my to-do list yeah. but then I realised there's too much to put on there I can't see my
1: face anyway, so I've got, got to get a, white bit, a whiteboard So I want to touch on as well because as you mentioned you, you're involved with Future Beats how did that come about? Was that, that was
0: a long time ago f- yeah. three and a bit years ago yeah. where Complexion and I met up um, I was just offering some social media advice for his radio show And then we decided, why don't we actually do a project where we can help these young musicians that he's playing their music. So not only just playing others' music, but actually licensing the music to our own label, releasing it. So I kind of took over all the business aspects. Uh, Complexion took over all the creative aspects. Mm -hmm. We teamed up and for three years did a lot of releases and while it was good, it was great. Mm -hmm. And we got to a point where I said, I cannot focus on one campaign at a time because then I'm only helping one person at a time. Yeah. And I realized that I actually wanted to help as many people as possible. So slowly we've just um moved on to other things in our own way. It's very mutual. I have the utmost respect for him and I'll always love him like a brother. Yeah. But I think my true calling is the coaching. Yeah. where I can actually help, you know, any different genre of artist. I don't have to pigeonhole myself to a future beats artist. I could help an indie singer, I could help a punk band, I could help any different aspect yeah. of musician and I don't have to pigeonhole myself and I find that very rewarding on a personal level I'll always love FBR mm-hmm. that will be like one of the greatest achievements of my life was building that record label yeah. but I'm happy to say chapter closed and I can move
1: on to my own yeah. new thing now yeah but do you know what it's, it's interesting because I had a conversation with a friend of mine who's um, an actor and a devout Buddhist he explained it to me not in a, in a business terms it was a different area of life which I won't go into but The way he explained it is, everything is like a dance. Imagine you're dancing with a partner and once that dance is over, you move on to the next dance and it's just the length of which the dance lasts for. Since he said that to me, like so many things in my life and what I've done have made so much more sense in terms of be it a relationship, be it work, be it hobbies, you know, the side hustles, whatever it is, like it all has its own longevity. And once that's over, you have to recognize it, move on to the next dance. And from what you're saying, the dance of complexion is over <laughs> and you know you're both going on to do other things which is it's part of life mm-hmm. and so it is and that metaphor makes a lot of sense as yeah. well I like that yeah it's a good one you can keep that, one, but <laughs> Cheers. Uh, don't credit me because it wasn't mine um. <laughs> so yeah and, then, and you're also still a DJ as well
0: not as much as I used to Yeah, and there's always a part of me that loves making a mix in my bedroom yeah. with songs from my friends personally I don't like using the bigger songs at the moment I like using literally my clients or my mates Mm. using their songs and they find it so much more rewarding that not only do I like them on a personal level but a musical level and when I manage to find the time gathering you 20, 30 songs putting them in an hour long mix for you to chill out and zone out to Mm. that's what I love to do the club sets I don't love as much as I used to like anyone can play the biggest song of the moment and go what, 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 What? (laughs) what and I don't find any attraction to that anymore like if you can do it and I do think of DJing as a craft if you can do it with clanging beats or auto sync then it's lost the appreciation of what I love the most about it Yeah. and if you can do it I could do it I played a Halloween house party a couple of days ago that was wild and I love that when it's surrounded by a room of my friends playing music for them Yeah. that's far more enjoyable than playing a club full of strangers
1: yeah I mean you know, I still do events so I still kind of get that buzz from Seeing a load of str. I don't DJ, but putting on the event and seeing a lot of strange, well, in inverted commas, strangers to me, having a good time, knowing that, you know, I have in some way facilitated that. And I'm not like, you know, going out there like, oh, yeah, this is my event, though. you're having a good time. It's like, I just sit back, enjoy, I have my drink, you know, have a little laugh with my friends who are there. But I still get that buzz, which is, you know, I think it's just the event buzz, isn't it? And it's, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, whether it's your mates or whether it's, you know, people in a club. Like it's, it's being able to see that reaction, having that kind of connection with people, mm-hmm. I think it's very important, especially in that world. If the music of the event is pushing the boundaries and really
0: ahead of its time, progressive thought provoking music, yeah. I'll always catch a vibe. But I think as DJs have got lazier, so of the club nights got lazier. Mm. And the term future has been thrown around so much recently, I actually can't find any music that inspires me lately. Yeah. I need to find something that's the next big thing that I can latch onto. Otherwise, I won't get any inspiration for myself. Mm. Who would you say is your, who's
1: been your biggest teacher in your life?
0: My granddad, actually. God rest him. Alhamdulillah. Just taught me how to be a man, really. Yeah. Taught me, like, when he passed, I learned a lot from how to be a man after that. Learned about how to get down, get bounce back from being at your lowest. That really drove me a lot. When no one helps you at your absolute lowest, then you've got to help yourself to get a leg up. Yeah. And then you really can find out what you're made of. If you can actually put on a brave smile and say, I'm all right, but really inside I'm not quite there. Then you really f- find like, what do I actually want out of life? And you do a bit of soul searching. You really know like who's real. Yeah, A lot of people could have given me a hand when I was down and didn't. And so I just moved on and I know that I will always love music as long as I'm alive that will be my true calling accountancy wasn't business management wasn't but if I can find a musician who's on a level with me I will connect with them far more than someone I went to school with for 15 years for example and when we have that connection together and we can I can help them achieve their goals they can help me achieve my goals it's synergy
1: and that's what's been a big teacher for me yeah and a lot of the words you've used, like synergy, and you know, other words you've sort of mentioned along the way, I get the impression that you're quite a spiritual person.
0: Mm, religious, yeah. yeah. Spiritual. I'm not spending my time reading my philosophy in that, yeah. but I'm definitely I'm business minded because I see things a different way than other people see it. And when you take that approach, thinking why should I be different? It's because I don't want to achieve the accolades that other people want. I don't want people to praise me, it's like in football, it's the name on the front of the t-shirt that matters, not the name on the back. Yeah. Yeah? And that's my whole outlook on life is, I don't want people to praise me as Yaz, I want people to praise the work that I'm trying to do to help others. Mm. And it's a very um, like altruistic kind of way of looking at life, but I think in that way you kind of help more
1: people. What's the legacy that you want to leave behind with the work you're doing, what would be the kind of the end goal?
0: I think I've already started to see it where some of my mates who I've helped three or four years ago are touring out in Tokyo, man. That's the opposite side of the planet to where we are. And they know that at the beginning, I was one of the guys who helped them out. And just seeing them progress, um, doing releases with game-changing record labels, doing shows, festivals, that kind of thing, I'm just like, wow, I'm proud of my friends for what they've achieved. If I've just sparked that in some way, it's been worth it. Mm -hmm. And that's my legacy, helping other people's meet their goals i don't have to be there myself i don't have to be at the side of that festival with them but i may have changed their world yeah Yeah, just through a conversation helping them when they were at their lowest because i could have used that back when
1: yeah yeah. yeah it's that powerful thing of helping that person get that leg up isn't it and and putting them on a platform where they're getting fans in tokyo or they're you know getting seen by people in the music industry in america or south america wherever it may be and obviously social media plays a big part in that it does (laughs) Um,
0: always still jealous when they send me an instagram video of the crowd getting turned but and i'm not there with them get jealous but i'm still very very proud Would,
1: would you like to work remotely then in that sense would you like to be able to sort of go around and do your work on on the move and on while you're traveling
0: i think i've always been a city person so the only the big skyscrapers have a big draw to me and so places like New York, London, Toronto, I see the buzz there. But remote cities, not so much. So I definitely want to travel, but London will always be home. Mm. Like if I can see Shepherd's Bush roundabout, I know I'm nearly home. Yeah, that's just like the West enough to be West. Whereas if you're out on other sides of the world, it's more of a holiday than a living lifestyle that I can get used to. Yeah. And I know a couple of digital nomads who literally work from a new country every single day and they do the coaching stuff a lot of them are coaches they coach via conference call but part of their day's schedule is to go and feel inspired um taking pictures of places uh, a lot of them carry tripods take a picture in
1: a location traveling by yourself and then give that advice and pass it along yeah that's good i think it's i think it's important though to, to have that element of getting inspiration from different cultures or backgrounds mm-hmm. or you know even if it's just you know, if you're in a city, going to the gallery on a weekend or going Absolutely. to a museum just to take in something new. Um, so I find personally that's a, when I get a lot of new ideas and creative you know, thoughts start kind of taking over. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm similar. Uh, when I feel stressed, I like to put my phone in airplane mode,
0: load up my phone with some brand new music, take my SLR camera, and just hit London. And you know, never know what you'll find. You might find a drummer with some pots and pans. You might find um, a graffiti tunnel. You might find um, the way the sunlight catches a building and just composing that photo really calms me down yeah. and I know the end result is probably that it ends up on social media but the actual act of composing that photo perfectly yeah. editing the colors of that photo I find that really therapeutic yeah. Yeah. just calms me down and I've got nice music
1: on the go actually you just you just made me think of something so where do you draw the boundaries of social media someone asked me recently like oh, do you think it's alright to from a kind of brand point of view or an artist point of view, to be showing my family on social media, like, where do I draw that line, was what they were trying to ask, or do I only want to show certain things that people are going to interest people in my music? I think it's twofold. I think it's what you're comfortable enough to share and what your audience
0: are interested enough in. Yeah. So yes, you might feel comfortable enough to show your niece or your nephew playing around in the garden, but are your music-related fans going to be interested in that? Possibly not. If you can frame it in such a way that it, is like, it triggers that awe oh, kind of moment, mm-hmm. then yes, it's okay. But if, they are, if there's no context to why the kids are running around crazy, maybe it's not quite the right content for your fans. Yeah. For that is that reason, I have uh, three different Facebook profiles. I have a family one, I have a music one and I have a business one. And yeah, it's, it's a lot of effort to run them all. I don't actually post much at all myself, but I'm able, able to connect with people in different ways for
1: different audiences. Yeah, and and would you recommend that then, splitting out a a personal, from a business, accounts on on like a Facebook or an Instagram, would you recommend people have two two accounts? So if there's like me, Alex, as me on social media, or me, Alex, as Alex from Dreamers Disease on social media, is it worth people splitting it out in those two elements, or can you do it in one?
0: It's totally subjective, it depends if you ever switch off. If you're literally living your brand and you are the exact same, with your family and with your music life, or your creative life, should I say? Then no, you don't need to. But if you like a bit of privacy and you want to be able to just zone out and do whatever you want, you don't want your um, your creative life to catch up with, you know, your grand's birthday or your your um, you know your girlfriend going to the park with you. You don't want all of that subjected to your music audience. And maybe just not splitting it per se, but just don't post certain things. Yeah. Or if you're being tagged in certain things, maybe in that case, have a separate account. It's not a best practice piece of advice, but it's just a personal tip.
1: Yeah. Like I said, I, I personally think it's up to the individual person. Like, I do things one way, you might do things another way. This person here might do it. I have one account for everything. I use free accounts for everything. Um, it's all personal um, opinion, really. So first of all... If we roll back the years to a younger version of yourself, what are three things you would tell yourself to start doing, and one piece of advice you'd give yourself to stop doing? Okay, I'll do the stop one first because I learned this quite late on in life. Is don't
0: gas up your opportunities before they materialized. I used to do this a lot when I would be interviewing a musician, like send in your questions. I'm interviewing so and so, and then you get them. And they go, oh, sorry, we run out of time. No interview time left. Mm-hmm. I've just made a fool of myself. Mm-hmm don't gas things up till they're tangible and they're done, dusted and you can say you've done it. Never in advance. That's what I wouldn't say. Three things I wish I'd done. I wish I had studied harder actually. Like, I think I was juggling so many different things at uni. I was DJing, I was on the American football team, I was the vice president of my college, I was just here, there and everywhere and actually if I'd applied myself then, I might not have had The freelance lifestyle was amazing, but it might not have been as much of a struggle as it was. That was one of the first things, actually study hard, like you're at uni for a reason. It's now triple the price of when I was at uni, I would have actually paid attention to the books. Second thing would have been, I would have had less of an arrogance and an ego when I was younger. Um, Definitely lost a couple of friends of my own fault, no one else through trying to achieve this music dream I actually had an arrogance and it took me, like I said, a knock to lose that. And then I would have had a lot of my circle around me still mm-hmm. if I wasn't that way. So I do regret that. And the third thing, what I one of the things I teach in my uh, coaching course is called the five by five rule. And I wish I'd invented it when I was like 15 years old. Yeah. So the first side is to introduce yourself to five people a day. It's one of the best networking things you can do. Hi, I'm Yaz, I'm a social media coach, nice to meet you, what do you do? Mm -hmm. And the other side is to comment on five people's pieces of content per day, whether that's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, blah, blah, blah. Just praise others five times a day, you'll get the return as well. Mm -hmm. And I wish I'd applied those things from such a young age that I could have been further developed uh, intellectually than I am now.
1: Can you let the people who are listening know where they can find you online, where they can keep up to date with your work, where they can come to you if they want some social media coaching. Of course,
0: so my website is allabouthelping.net. It actually ties up with the initials of my full name. Um, My social media handle is yazbeats across everything. I need to change that because it's still my DJ name. Mm -hmm. Um, Y-A-Z-B-E-A-T-Z. And yeah, I'm always reachable. I'm not a person who's hard to get hold of. I hit every DM back within a couple of hours because it's important to me so if you're interested in coaching let me know no obligation phone call first of all tell me if it's right for you if it's not right for you we can discuss your objectives and then take it from there hopefully yeah nice what would be your ultimate happiness goal? I think in a weird way a life without needing to be connected to the internet because once you've achieved everything you want to achieve you need to be able to switch off and enjoy that you don't need to Grind until you literally hit the gravestone. You need to be able to have a couple of years saying, I worked hard all my life to enjoy this brief period of my life. And that would be the point where I could put music aside and say, I literally did every goal I set out to achieve. Like, Thanks to God, I, I achieved all of that. Chapter closed.
1: Mm. Nice. Okay, that's a fantastic note to end on. Yeah, I, I love what you're doing. I love what you're building. I love the fact that you are going out of your way to, to help people... In the area that you know most about and I think you know, there's a lot of people in this world who have a lot of knowledge and are not as willing to pass it on so it's great to see someone who does and wants to take care and help people in areas where it is important for them from a music perspective to have a good presence on social media because that's where you can reach out to most amount of people at any one given time so to have someone who's trying to dedicate themselves to that and helping people is amazing um, so yeah keep it up Thank you for the kind words,
0: bro. I Sorry. appreciate that more than you probably even realize. And it, like our friendship means a lot to me. And this opportunity is, is wonderful. Thank you for bringing me on. No what you've built in the last couple of months has been wonderful to watch. Thank like you. The guests you've got on, the way you've done it, and really helping people beyond just music because that is our world. Yeah, But you want to just help anybody and that's wonderful to see
1: yeah, thank you and i'm hoping that the people who are listening can take on some of the the wise words of wisdom that you dropped a bit in the social media essence or, or other because yeah that's what it's all about it's all about learning all about chasing the dreams all about you know going on to bigger and better things for yourself so yeah man thank you, thank you mate thank you so there we have it guys that's Yazi's story as I mentioned, you know, there were so many gems in there. He dropped so much knowledge around social media and, and what you can do to build up your profile when you kind of have that real strategic thinking about what it is you do online rather than just posting on the whim and, and making it a kind of, you know, off-the-cuff hobby, as it were. And it's a real, like, sh- strategic, structured platform for you to update people, what you do, how your work's going, and get people involved in your story. So as ever, you can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at IamAlexManzi. You can also follow The Dreamers Disease by searching it on iTunes or on Instagram at the underscore Disease. And thanks again for listening. It means a lot. And I hope you guys really learned something from this episode. So let's make sure we all go out there and chase our dreams. This podcast is produced by Unedited.